have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians. Good to, good to see all of you. Let's see, if I may, the hands of the visitors again. I know we had some in the center section. Could I see the visitors' hands one more time? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, give them a warm welcome. We're glad you're here. Now we can do better than that. We can do better than that. Let's give them another warm welcome. Almost every person, when we were in Tulsa, and then even here, honey, when you say, uh, why did you decide to, to become a member of our church or stay in our church? And they say, I just felt the love of Jesus here. Or I just felt welcomed. And that's how churches grow. And uh, so we thank God for all of you visitors that are here. If you have a church, stay where you are. Be a blessing to them. If you don't have a church, stay where you are and be a blessing to us. And we'll be a blessing to, uh, to you, I hope. So we're glad that you're with us. Okay, I do have a funny story because I had a man one time who left our, our service. And I didn't have a, a, a something funny to say that day or a joke. You determine whether or not it's funny. And, uh, but on, on the way out, he said, you didn't have anything today. So I, th- I think he had a disappointed service. So I don't want any of you to be disappointed. So turn to your neighbor and say, promise to laugh. Okay, it's about a Sunday school class. A little boy, five-year-old, was in the Sunday school class, and his mother had invited the Sunday school teacher and a lot of people from the uh, from the church to their home for dinner. And so they all came over there, and they were having a great time, and they all sat down getting ready to eat. And the mom turned to the little five-year-old and said, Honey, why don't you pray say grace for the meal. And five-year-old said, no, mommy, I can't do that. It was embarrassed like a five-year-old would be. And the mom insisted and said, no, come on, would you please pray? And so finally the, the five-year-old said, I don't, I don't know what to pray, mommy. And the mom said, just pray the way you hear mommy pray. And I said, okay, Lord, why did I invite all of these people over here? <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) The word today, and and it got a little somber in the first service, but but it doesn't have to be. But, but, But the word of the Lord today is that we are all fighting a fight of faith. Now, if you've been around this church for a while, you all know that. Let's all say, I know that. We're fighting a fight of faith, but what the Lord showed me is that it's about to intensify and that your faith is going to have to be built up more than ever to be ready for what is about to happen. And as many of you know, I'm, I'm working on an end-time series. And I had a vision the other day, and, and, and I hope that some of the things that I'm hearing are incorrect. Have you ever heard something from the Lord and you hope that was wrong? <laughs> Uh, is is like there are things that we all hear that I know this is God and then there are things that we hear that I think this is God and then sometimes there are things that we hope it's God and I've added a fourth category sometimes I hear things I hope it isn't God I hope what I'm hearing is not from the Lord but this vision that that I saw was a family sitting in their living room watching television 
And outside, there was a raging fire coming, like you see on television in the wilderness and places in California where a fire starts up and, and the fire just takes off at, at, at a high speed. And this fire was coming toward their home. And there were several channels available to them on this cable network that they could get the current situation at hand. But they were just watching their favorite show because it tickles their fancy. We all have things like that that we enjoy doing. Nothing wrong with them unless you've got a raging fire coming. And in this vision that I saw, they watched television right up until the fire took their cable out. And then it was too late for them to do anything about it. I believe we are living in very, very dangerous times. The devil has... This is getting really quiet too, honey. The devil has been defeated. Powers and principalities have been defeated. And we have been given the victory. But I believe that there are a lot of people who are not ready for what is about to happen. Um, have you ever ran a marathon, Dan? Oh, okay. I, I was thinking you had. <laughs> Dan said, hey, speak. <laughs> he said that emphatically. Speaking of Dan, Pam and I are going to be in Washington, D.C. for a meeting with Christians United for Israel next Sunday. And Pastor Dan's got the message for you. So, yeah, give the Lord a hand. He and Kelly are anointed. They will be here. They are a powerful team along with their family. And so anyway, if you're going to run a marathon, you train differently than if you're just going to watch television. That's pretty much obvious. And, but what, what is happening is that we are going to be positioned by the Lord where we need to be for this end time if we will allow him. But some things need to change in our lives. How many of you have some things that need to change in your life? And if we will do that, we will get where God wants us to be. Now, the Word of God, and I've used this scripture, I've, I have shared this scripture ever since it went off in my spirit. And it's 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. And it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Who has the victory? We have the victory. But who continues to walk about as a roaring lion? The devil. And the devil can attack. I don't know how this works. I do not know how this works. But the devil can attack anyone he wants. Let me see the hands of all the people here. You are a born-again, spirit-filled believer, and you know your power, and you know the authority, and you have been attacked by the devil. So you see, it, he can seemingly walk about and attack anyone he wants. And he attacks us in the area of our mind. Why is he attacking us? Because he wants to steal the word of God that you have. And if he can get the word, then he can get what he's really after, your faith. Your faith is what you are walking in and standing in and believing. And that is the power that links you directly with God. That's why in Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God can't move on your behalf if you aren't walking by faith and linking up with him. You will give ground to the devil. And the good news is, and there's always good news. So everybody say, there's, there's good news. 
The good news is we're going out of here in a blaze of glory as a, as a group of believers. But there could be some that would stray and not be in that group like they could be or having the victory that they could be because we are not going to war. We are at war. Did I see you at McDonald's just a moment ago? Was that you, Clara? Yeah, yeah. Clara stopped to wave at me in the middle of the street. A car came each way. I was blocking two cars, and she was blocking three cars. <laughs> that was you, wasn't it? Yeah. I, she rolled down her window, and I stopped, and then I realized we had a real traffic jam at McDonald's. <laughs> But 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 a lot of believers are thinking, no, no, case sera, sera, everything will be, will be, whatever, whatever. Well, yeah, that is kind of true, but it's not going to be the way God wants it to be for your life if you're not walking by faith and, and resisting the devil in every area where he's trying to attack you. Now, what happens is if, if you're not, I was with a, a, a person just the other day and they said, well, you know, we're okay. Thing, things are all right. We, we don't. Here's what they were basically saying. We don't need all of what you're saying. You need more of what we're saying, not less. Because you are not ready for what is about to happen if you're not tuned in to the right station. And if you are a person like many, many people, you like to hear things that make you feel good about yourself. You like to hear things that make you feel uplifted. You like to hear things that are just really motivationally encouraging, exhorting, and edifying. I am the same way. Everybody that feels that way, raise your hand. We are, let's all say, we're all the same. But every once in a while, we need a check, as, as Zig Ziglar says, a check up from the neck up to determine, am I where God wants me to be doing what God wants me to do? Because if you aren't in that realm of position, then the devil is going to attack you, and he's going to steal what he really wants is your faith. But he's going to start with the Word of God. And it's not going to be any different than the garden Keith, it's good to see you here today. Are you back? Good. Okay. All right. Keith, everybody say, Keith is back. Kind of like LeBron going to Cleveland. <laughs> Keith is back. Glory to God. Never to leave again, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody told me one time, you shouldn't. And I don't remember when this was, and I'm not sure it's the exact wording, but you shouldn't make people feel bad about themselves. Where did that ever start? <laughs> what is wrong with feeling bad about yourself if you're doing bad things? What if feeling bad about yourself made you want to feel better about yourself? Can you get that? Oh, you don't want to hurt their feelings now. You know, yeah, they're, don't, let's not keep score. Let's not, let's play ball with no score. Let's not make anybody feel bad about themselves. Nobody wins, nobody loses. We're all the same. No, 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 no. I said this in the first service. It didn't go over at all. <laughs> no, I haven't even said it yet. I'm getting, I'm just getting to it. In the first service, I said, what's wrong with making somebody ashamed of themselves? if it'll save them from the pit of hell. Ooh, you guys are better than that. I'm going to say it again. What's wrong? To make up for the first service. 
What's wrong with making somebody feel ashamed of themselves if it saves them from the pit of hell? Or do you want them to feel good walking right off the cliff into the, in, into the confines of the devil? The hell was made for the devil, never for a, a human being. Heaven was made for human beings. So what we have to do is determine what am I going to do to become what God wants me to become? Because the devil is coming. And we've got to be strong against the devil to command the devil because you and I are called to command the devil. Now in Ephesians 6, I just encourage you to read all of uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, but it's verse 10 through 20. It, it talks about our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. It's, it's not people, but the devil occupies people's minds to cause them to do things. Does that make sense to all of you? The devil from time to time has occupied your mind. He's occupied my mind. Now, I'm getting smarter and more intelligent spiritually in that area of my life not to give him a piece of my mind. You've heard the old story before about, I just can't wait to give him a piece of my mind. The problem was, too many pieces have been given away by a lot of people. They don't have all their mind left. Now, that's a joke, okay? Right. Thank you for one laugh. But anyway, we've got to get to the point when we understand who we are spiritually and what we need to do. That our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the scheming of the devil. Right now, the devil is planning. He is either in full-scale attack against you right now, or he's planning his next attack. How many of you feel like right now, you are not being attacked by the devil? Can I see your hands? Okay, great. Guess what? He's planning his attack. How many of you feel right now, you are being attacked by the devil? Our country's being attacked by the devil. Israel is being attacked by the devil. And many people think, well, no, it's not going to happen to, Israel, to America. America is, you know, the 9-11 was just a little glitch, but, you know, we're going to be okay. God loves us. God's going to take care of us. God loved us before 9-11. God loved us during 9-11. God loves Israel, and God loves his chosen people, the Israelis. And they're under attack right now. And they have rockets continually falling in their city. Air raid sirens going off. And the moment they hear the air raid siren, they got to jump out of bed if they're in bed. They got to grab their children and they got to go to the air raid bunkers so that they can withstand those rockets that are coming in. They only have a short time to do that. They know immediately what to do. We haven't experienced that in America, and I pray we never will experience that in America. But to sit back and, in my opinion, smugly say, it'll never happen here, would be like that ostrich with a head in the sand. If it can happen anywhere, it can happen elsewhere. If it can happen in Israel, it can happen in Europe, it can happen in America. Now, this is not a doom and gloom message, so turn to your neighbor and say, you came on the right day. We are victorious, and we are going from victory to victory, but we are going to have to get to the point where we want to be where God wants us to be doing what God wants us to do. And I want to share with you a couple of scriptures here. In first, uh, I, I've shared this with my wife, and I, I, don't, I don't want to... Some people think I'm getting a little uh, carried away with this end time stuff, okay? I don't. But I do hope I'm wrong about some of the stuff I'm hearing. I really do. 
But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, because there are, there are many men and women of God that, that I respect that I follow and listen to, and, and a lot of them are, you know, hey, everything's great, it's going to be a great year, and all is going to be well, and all is going to be this. I believe that too, but I also believe that there are some landmines out there. And if you've ever been around, and some of you have heard my story being in the Sudan, if you've ever been around a field where there are landmines and where there have been some serious challenges, you pay attention to those signs because a lot of those fields haven't been cleared. And if a field hasn't been cleared, you better walk where they tell you to walk or you may be the person detonating the next landmine. And so we're in a position right now where we need to make sure that we know exactly what the Lord is speaking to us. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, this is what it says. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. How many of you know some people that just seemingly babble? Uh, they try to say things like, well, is that really that big of a deal? Well, we live in a different time frame. They're coming again. Now, it's not the person. Everybody say it's not the person. How many of you know people that believe differently than you? And you can't even spend your time trying to argue with them. Number one, you don't ever need to argue. But you can't spend your time arguing with them because you're just talking to somebody that is void of understanding in that area of their life for this season that they're in. You just love them, but you do not accept what they're saying because what they don't even realize it but the devil is using them to try to steal the word from you what you believe in the garden of eden when adam took that uh, eve took the forbidden fruit she should have never done it she knew better says in the Bible, she said she was deceived. I don't believe she's deceived. I don't believe it's deception to do something you know you shouldn't do. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, Marie? Does that make sense to you? Keith, do you think that makes sense to Marie? You do? Okay. <laughs> if you know you're not supposed to do something and you do it anyway, were you really deceived or were you just really not too smart? <laughs> I, I, I really think you just weren't too smart because God said don't do it. What, what happened when Eve took that fruit, or excuse me, before Eve took the fruit in Genesis, when the devil came up and said, did God really say? She should have smacked him right across the head and said, yes, God said, and get out of the garden. My husband's asleep over there, and you're out of here. But instead, she pondered the thought. Well, yeah, what the heck? What's another apple? What's another drink? What's another hit? What's another? Ah, some of you recognize the terminology. <laughs> Marie, Marie's really laughing over there. <laughs> And, and so what happens, and so what happens is, you know, you rationalize, oh, well, yeah, what's the big deal? And instead of doing to the devil what she should have done, she eats of the fruit, reasons it away, and then comes to her husband and says, hey, Adam, this stuff tastes pretty good. He should have did to Eve what... Eve should have done to the devil. She should have, he should have smacked Eve right across the head and said, get rid of that fruit, woman. That is not good for you. But instead, they just went ahead to do what seemed right. Does that make sense what I'm saying so far? The same scenario 
plays out time and time again in this world. Well, we live in a different time frame. Well, whatever. Well, whatever. Here's what it says. By professing it, this babbling contradictions of what? Babbling contradictions of the Word of God. If the Word said it, that settles it, it's settled. It says right here, by professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. There are many that have strayed concerning the faith. God wants to bring them through in these end times. God wants them to be used mightily. And they will be used mightily if they will turn to the Lord and not continually reason away and try to come up with their understanding. Word of God says, do not lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him. What does God say? What did God tell you by His written word? What did God tell you by the Holy Spirit? And that's exactly what we're supposed to live. Now, we know that if you're going to walk by faith, number, uh, number one, Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Second Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith says that we speak that which we believe. In other words, I believe, therefore I speak. Second Corinthians. Now, what happens is you and I are going to be confronted along the way by things of the devil. He's going to try to attack you. He's going to attack try to attack your family. He's going to uh, try to attack your finances. So he's out there. And he is like that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he cannot devour anyone that will walk by faith and not by sight. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, walk by faith. So where does the devil come? He comes right to your mind. And he tries to enter in through your thought realm. He cannot control you without controlling your mind. And once he gets into your mind, he gets you to reason with him. That He's a master manipulator. So the moment he comes, he's bringing something that is contrary to the word of God. Now, when he came to Eve, Eve should have commanded the devil, you should command the devil. When he came to Eve, instead of commanding the devil, she listened to what he said. And what did he say? Has God really said? She should have screamed at him. Yes, that's what he said. You got it right now, out of the garden. Because the word of God says... That we have been given the victory. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, that you and I have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And that what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The devil is not afraid of you, but he is afraid of the power of God's spirit in you. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's afraid of, of God in me. Tell him. Tell him. He's, he's afraid of that. He's not afraid of you. You operate separately from the Lord. He will devour you. But we have the power. We have the victory. Now, there's a great example in the Word of God that I believe. Kelly, did you start the se second service with that too? Yeah. Kelly uh, started the service, and Dan also shared at the offering about how we're in a fight of faith. <clears throat> but Kelly was talking about Jehoshaphat. It's actually... 
Second Chronicles chapter 20, it's a powerful, powerful story of the king of Judah. And the king of Judah had made some mistakes, and he'd done some things wrong, but he had since repented. He'd caused a lot of death, a lot of, a, a lot of challenges for the country of uh, the area of Judah. And, 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 but he, he had repented, and God had restored him. But one moment he woke up, and he was surrounded by the enemy, and, and he didn't know what to do. It happened just all of a sudden. It's like, wow, what? What are we going to do? Because he was surrounded by the enemy. How many of you can relate to that going to bed sometime at night and everything is fine and waking up in the morning and all hell broke loose? Can I see your hands? Make sure we got the right group. And what happens then is, okay, what am I going to do? Now, if you have the mind of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that is prominent in your life, you are not going to try to figure it out. However... May I see the hands of all the people that the first place you go is to figure it out. Three of you. Thank you. Liar, liar. No, I'm not going to say the rest of it. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, what, what happens in it is we, we leave God out of the equation and we go through a really tormenting situation where we many times will make the wrong decision, say the wrong thing. If, I shared this once in a message. If you don't know what the Holy Spirit wants you to say, you should shut up. <laughs> it went over like that when I did the message too. <laughs> In other words, if you don't know what the Holy Spirit and how he wants you to respond, don't try to figure it out. Let it go. Go to God and say, God, what is it you want me to do? And Jehoshaphat, to his credit, did not know what to do. He knew he seemed to be outnumbered. He didn't know what to do. He cried out to God and said, God, what shall I do? And the Lord said, stand still, position yourself the fight is not yours. Who and what are we called to fight? We're called to fight the fight of faith. Because with faith we please God, Hebrews eleven six. God fights for us. We merely do what God tells us to do. It is not people that is our problem. Let's ask that. People not my problem. What the people are occupied by in their mind will attack you many times. It will cause challenges for you because of where they are in their walk with the Lord. But if you will focus on what God has for you, then you will walk out what God wants you to become. Now, Jehoshaphat did exactly what God told him to do. And I'm going to make a short story here because Kelly has already shared some of this. But he did what God said. He positioned himself. He stood still. He realized that this is God's battle. I don't know what to do about it. Praisers went out. Everything took place. And the armies coming against him turned against themselves. And they annihilated themselves. And he was victorious in the process. Folks, we have the victory. Let's say, uh, I have the victory. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got the victory. But if you don't know what to do with what you have been given, then you will not be able to use it when you need it. And in six, John chapter 16, verse 13, and this is what really the end time teaching is going to be centered around a lot of this. But we're going to have to enter into the realm of the spirit like we've never entered into it before. A lot of people are into the realm of the Bible, the written word. 
no question that is the most important thing. Without knowing what the Bible says, you can become deceived very easily. You, you can get off track very, very easily. But you have to know on a day-to-day -day basis what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And then become obedient. And it said that, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll guide you and lead you into all truth. And he'll show you things to come. God wants to. How many of you watch the weather every morning so that you can see what the weather's going to be like? Can I see your hands? Most of you. You do that because you want to know. I do it too. You want to know what the weather is going to be like so that possibly you know how to dress or whether you take a raincoat or whether you take an umbrella. You want to know the current situation. You don't look at, at the weather in January and don't look at it again. You look at it on a regular basis. Well, we need to look at God and say, okay, what is it you have for me today? What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to respond to this situation? How many of you are quick to open your mouth and speak when you are confronted by a situation and then find out later on you would have been better off not to have said anything? Okay. I think we're, we're, we're all the same. Did you raise your hand, honey? Glory. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of you that didn't, you, you're not like that. I mean, well, maybe if you think you are, I don't know. John chapter 6, John chapter six I'm not going to correct you in front of people. Now, I, I want to read the rest of this to you because it's so powerful. This is what Jesus said we've been given. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he won't speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. In other words, everything that Jesus had, God is going to give to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's all say that's a good deal. Now, the devil cannot steal your faith. He cannot do it. Jesus gave it to you. You all understand that? So let's all say that. I walk by faith. Not by, not by sight. So he can't take my faith because God gave that to you. That's your gift, okay? So, so the devil can't steal my faith. But how can he get it? We give it to him. He comes to steal the word. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. The minute you hear the word of God, the devil comes and steals. Do you all know that's what it says? The minute the word of God goes forth to be sown, it, he comes to steal that word. He'll come and steal this word or try to steal this word from you the minute you get out the door. Now, the word is yours. You've heard the word, so it belongs to you. But you can give it up at a moment's notice. Can I see the hands of all the people that have done that? In other words, you know exactly what happened. You know exactly what you heard. You know exactly how you should have responded. And the devil came and you let him have it. That's how he steals the word. That's how he steals your faith, which is what he's after. Because without faith, God is not working on your behalf. God works by faith. And what we've got to do is determine, okay, how am I going to walk in that situation so I will not do that. Now, the number one 
factor that the devil uses against people is fear. Yes, he comes to steal the word, but he comes to impart fear to you. And the fear, the, the fears that he brings, number one, it's the fear of failure. You, he'll, he will tell you that whatever it is that God's showing you, you can't do it. Fear of failure. Fear, the second one that he comes continually is a fear of finances. You, you're going to get wrapped up in finances because God is wanting to position you. But what you're going to do is it's going to be, well, a fear of failure. I have a plaque in my, in my office. I just love it. It's from, uh, not from, but it's about Babe Ruth. And one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived and used to hold the home run records. And on it, it's, it's a picture of Babe Ruth, and it says, don't ever be afraid to strike out. Babe Ruth set the home run records year after year after year. At one time, had the home run record of 714 home runs. But he also led the leagues in strikeouts. He struck out more than anybody. But he said, don't ever be afraid to strike out. Because you might hit the home run on the next time. So never a fear of failure, never a fear of finances. And the third one that I believe the devil uses a lot, the fear of man, the fear of what will people think about you. Number one, people probably aren't even thinking about you anyway. But if they are thinking about you, don't be concerned. That's Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. It says the fear of man is a snare. It stops you from being what God wants you to be. We are going to separate the wheat and well, we aren't. God is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. As we get closer and closer to the end times, there are people that I think are going to think if you're living the word of God like you should be, you are a peculiar person. I had a, a, a person tell me just the other day, I don't know that I believe like you believe any longer. They had strayed from the faith. And somebody else might say, who are you to judge them? I'm just telling you the truth. The truth will judge you. Does that make sense to you? Well, don't make anybody look bad because of, I didn't make anybody look bad. Their actions made them look bad. The truth made them look bad. And we need to be to the point when we're going to walk in the power and the authority and the dominion. Fear of failure, Philippians 4.13 covers that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If, if you fail, and you will, we all fail from time to time. Let me see the hands of all the people. You haven't failed. You just found out a whole lot of ways that didn't work. <laughs> we get to the point in our lives when we become so tuned in to the things of God that we say, anytime I fail, it's a positive learning experience. I'm not going to do it again, but I'm, I'm going to learn from this experience. That's Philippians 4.13. And then the fear of finances, Philippians 4.19 says, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. All we have to do is position ourselves where God wants us to be, and God is speaking. And I remember when God spoke to Pam and I, uh, go to Tulsa where you find the meaning for your life. Didn't have enough money to go. Didn't know what I was going to do out there. Finally, let God have his way. Got out there. God opened the door. And it's like, wow, now I understand. Oh, that's awesome. How many of you realize God does it after the fact? He doesn't do it as fast as you would like for him to do it. God's idea of abundance and mine are two different things. But I've always had abundance to do what God said to do. Then God said, come back to Lafayette. I didn't want to go to Tulsa. Didn't want to come back to Lafayette. And we didn't have enough money to come back to Lafayette. And then all of a sudden, when we positioned ourselves where God wanted us, the money and the flow began to come because God will supply every need according to his riches and glory. God has more than enough money to cover you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. That may be good news for them. God can cover you. God can, God can write a big check. And I remember 
when we had that first. Now, this message is to set people free, not to make them feel guilty or feel like it's going to be a heaviness. But it wasn't the first golf outing for the Sudan. It was the second one. And God spoke in my heart what we do in the Sudan. And some of it were walking out today, almost six years later. I could not conceive of how we could do it. And, and for the second golf outing that we had, God spoke into my heart to go to the putt-putt golf course, ask the guy if he would let us lease it for a day, and do a fundraiser for the orphanage to really get it built and the dorms built and everything started. And I said, okay, God, I'll do that. And uh, so I went out there, and the guy said, yeah, you can have it out $400 or something. So he gave it to us for that first outing at the putt-putt. Many of you were part of it. And I said, now, God, how much money should we raise for this? And this is what I heard in my spirit, $50,000. And this is what I heard. I don't know how to do that. And this is what I heard. As soon as I said, I don't know how to do that, this is what I heard. I do. <laughs> have you realized what God told me one time? I told God one time, I said, I would have never figured that out. And I heard this in my spirit. That's why you're not God. <laughs> I believe God has a sense of humor. Jesus said, I've come to give you my joy so that your joy would be full. And thanks to a lot of people, but thanks to Dan, Pete Dywert, and Tom Blumling heading up the whole thing, and Brad, uh, we ended up with slightly over $50,000. And the guy that owned the golf course says, that's impossible. You can't do that. And I said, I know that's actually true, but God can, and he did. And, and now he, when I say he's a believer, I better paraphrase that. He believes that God did what God said he would do. God will never let you down. Turn to your neighbor and say, God will never let you down. This is what you have to deal with. You have to deal with fear once and for all in your life. Because fear is your mortal enemy to faith. If you're walking by faith and not by sight, you will fear nothing. This happened the other day. I hope you don't mind me saying it in the first... I, we already said it in the first service. But we were somewhere, and there's a sudden noise. And, and you were startled. Is that right? And I said, oh, honey, that's a stronghold. <laughs> oh, my God. It didn't go over very well. <laughs> Babies learn fear, I am told, by sudden noises. And if they don't overcome that, that fear can stay with them. Fear is your biggest challenge that can be a stronghold in your life. Now, this is going to hit close to home. How many of you would say... I'm setting you up, by the way. How many of you would say that you have a tendency in many situations to be a controller? Okay. I'll only say this because we have visitors. Most controllers have a root of fear. That's why they have to control. If they're out of control, they become anxious and fearful. Somebody won't do it as well as I do. Uh, it may not get done. I tried it before. It didn't work. But if you are a controller and you have to control everything, there is probably a fear factor working in your life that could be a stronghold. And the devil will love to push your buttons. I believe the devil knows where your strongholds of fear are. And that's exactly the button he will push. And if you know what I'm talking about, just say amen. But what we've got to do is get to the point when we refuse to have fear. Fear is not part of our covenant. 
And if you have your Bible, we'll close with this scripture. It's 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. We know we haven't been given a spirit, but power, love, and a sound mind. But in 1, Corinthians, 1 John 4, 17 and 18, this is what it says. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The issue is do you know how much God loves you? And has that love driven out that fear? And have you come into agreement by faith with God? You have no fear. Some people believe fear is a part of living on this earth. I don't believe that. That is not part of my covenant. There is no fear when you accept God's love. Let's stand to our feet. And I believe that as Jesus said, in these end times, there'll be a lot of people, their hearts will begin to fail them. And the reason is because of the situation and circumstances that come upon them suddenly. The adrenaline starts pumping. The air raid siren goes off. The devil comes and steals something, tries to steal something. And we respond by faith and saying, I know who I am. I know my covenant. I know that I can bind and loose. I know that I command you out. The Word of God says, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. The good news is, he will always flee. The Word of God is true. But he will regroup. He'll come back again. The same scenario. When he comes back again, we have to resist him, submitting to God, resisting him, and he will flee over and over again. The main thing a believer should see is the backside of the devil because he should always be fleeing you because of the way that he was greeted. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question you will ever be asked. Do you know where you will spend eternity? Do you know if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus today you may be here and you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you may be here today and you're like that prodigal son that prodigal daughter you've, you've really strayed away from the Lord and you know it and he is showing you that you see God convicts us because he loves us he's a loving, caring benevolent father and all over this church, if you're here and you'd say, pray for me, I know my life isn't right. I know I need Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. Let the Holy Spirit move. Yes, I see your hand. Are there others you say, pray for me, I know my life is not right. You see, sometimes... When we're coming back, coming to the Lord for the first time, or maybe we're coming back to the Lord 
but we have strayed away from him and that conviction of the Holy Spirit that sometimes we try to reject is really God's love saying I want you to come home I want you to come home and if you're here you're like that prodigal you'd say pray for me I know my life is not right we hope this message encouraged you Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.